Welcome to another episode of Orange Juice Optional. I am sitting here with a nice glass of champagne. Yay! No orange juice today. <laughs> and I am sitting here looking at a computer screen and across the miles is my friend Suzanne and my co-host also looking at her computer screen. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I've been out on my walk. It's going to be a hot day here in Scottsdale and I'm feeling good, but I still have my glass of champagne. Yes. Yes. Champagne <laughs> is always good. But can you see I'm getting frustrated about the way we're recording? I'm yes. really ready to see my friend. I know. And in just a couple short weeks, it's not even two full weeks anymore. We'll be together and I can't wait. I can't wait either because I am discovering that I'm kind of a podcast diva on <laughs> the days we're recording. Like I tell everybody in the house, be quiet. Don't talk too loud. I tell Rob, don't use the internet because I don't want my mic sounding funny. I have to clean up the room around me so my space is clear. And yeah, it's a lot of prep getting ready for this or doing it this way anyway. Wow. You do do a lot of prep. You should, you would be horrified. I'm also in my bedroom, but I'm in the process of cleaning out my closet, getting read, ready to bring in my summer clothes, packing away my winter clothes. Do you do that? Do you pack away your winter clothes? I pack my winter clothes in Alaska uh -huh. and my summer clothes here <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> oh, well, and that's way off topic, of course that I even went down that road. But it, my my room is a disaster because I have shoes everywhere and I have stacks of clothes and bags of garbage. And, and then I just open my computer and plug it in and say, hey, Michelle, how are you? <laughs> yeah, that would stress me out a little bit, but it's necessary. You have to do it because you're not going to be wearing winter clothes going into summer in Arizona. Right. You would be roasting and then you would be angrier than usual. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't think you're angry. Uh, well, I, I can be. I, I have that. I have to squelch my anger a lot of times. But uh, <laughs> as my sister would say, she just calls that being passionate. <laughs> However, she said it during <laughs> yeah. the episode she was on. <laughs> so true. Well, I have to tell you what my son, daughter-in-law and I have been doing the last couple of days. You know, my husband is still in Alaska. He's headed back to town tomorrow. But we have been on YouTube TV or whatever my son, whatever streaming channel my son brings up, watching episodes of travel, like um, Rick Steves' travel, or they follow a couple in Australia that go on jaunts with their new little baby. And I, I've gotten hooked on it. But I know that our last episode, we were talking travel, but it has inspired me. I think we need to continue our conversation on travel because uh, I have the travel bug. I have the travel bug too. So we can jump into another episode of travel. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Yay! <laughs> so I guess the travel we're talking about in the last episode and today is travel by plane because that has been most of our experience so far. It has. So should we keep it on? airplane travel today also, and some of the experiences that we've had. Yes, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and some of them aren't so pretty and aren't so glamorous, but they happen. They're absolutely true. Every story you hear during this podcast will be absolutely true. No embellishing needed because they did happen. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, to jump into this podcast, 
you know, I was thinking about airports, mm-hmm. airplanes, and there's a process for travelers in each. You have the the whole airport process. And I'm not really going to focus on that so much, even though it's very frustrating. But I'm thinking more about once you get onto the airplane or as you're boarding the airplane, all the different things that passengers should remember for etiquette or things that I have seen to be an issue before or things other people have seen as being an issue. So in front of me, I have a list of things that I would consider airplane etiquette. And I'm just going to go through them and maybe we'll talk about them. And you can tell me if you think it would be okay for someone to do that or if you agree that, nah, not so much. Does that sound good? That does sound good. I'm sure I'm going to have an opinion about every single item on your list. <laughs> don't I? There is no doubt. Yeah. And we can interject our stories throughout. Does that sound okay? Yep. That works for me. Okay. So the first thing on my list for airplane etiquette, and this one you would think is a no-brainer. On the airplane, passengers should keep on all their clothes. <laughs> I would say <laughs> yes. I 100% agree with that. But something tells, say yes, something tells me that you've had an experience where passengers have not kept on all their clothes. Oh, I definitely had an experience where that happened. I was flying between Anchorage and Seattle, and my friend Jenny was traveling with me. And on one flight, I told her I would sit in the middle. On the other flight, she was going to sit in the middle. So I took the first flight. And it was an overnight flight because leaving Anchorage, that's what a lot of people do because it takes so long to get everywhere. And we board. And the second before they closed down boarding, the passenger who's going to sit next to me finally boards. He's in the window and he's a mess already. You could tell he's been drinking, tell he's been having a good time up to this point. The airline still boarded him though. So he's, he's sitting next to me and... I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put in my earphones. I'm going to go to sleep or try to go to sleep. Um, So I was reading my magazine at first, started to feel tired, put my magazine down in front of me. And you know, when you're on an airplane, how you kind of drift in and out of sleep. Right. That's what I was doing. And I see him reach over and take my magazine (gasps) and start reading it. Yeah. So that was the first thing like, Oh, no, that didn't just happen. But I'm trying to keep my cool because we're all in this together. The next thing I know, he takes off his shirt, not a sweater, not a jacket, but the last piece of clothing between him and bearskin. He takes it off. And I am like, okay, this is really getting weird because, again, I'm drifting in and out trying to ignore what's happening until (laughs) he leans on me and uses me as a pillow. (laughs) He rests his head on my shoulder with nothing else on his top. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not happening. Well, at that point, I'm completely awake, but I don't want to cause a scene. And so (laughs) we're going into landing and the flight attendant comes by and she's like, you need to wake your friend there and tell him we're about to land. He needs to put his seat up and everything. I'm like, I don't even know him. She's like, he's laying on you. I'm like, I know, I don't even know him. And he has no shirt on. So that was my story about that. So I think people should keep their clothes on during the flight. You know, I have to agree with you. And I have a little twist on that story. I have a 
not a, not even close to a similar story. I can't even because the difference between you and I is you try not to cause a scene. I think I would have had to cause a scene. I think I would have. You definitely would have. <laughs> I would have. I would have. You would have probably smacked him. Like, what are you thinking? I don't even like to be hugged. Yeah. Well, and what I was going to say is I would have pulled a Karen, but I realized that pulling a Karen is a whole episode in and of itself. And I don't even know if you've heard about pulling a Karen, but I am the epitome of pulling a Karen. And Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't know what a Karen is. It's a bad thing. It's where a white privileged woman makes a scene basically oh. about something about something that everyone else thinks is pointless. <laughs> and, like and and that's I think, the definition. I can't disagree. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'm a Karen. And anyway, I would have pulled a Karen in that situation. But all of that being said, my keep your clothes on etiquette thing would be so one time Jeff and I compliments of my son who travels more than we do loves to travel. He knows the ins and outs of using mileage. He can get us the best seats all on mileage. And one time he got us recently got us seats on British Airways first class. We had never experienced an international first class like British Airways. It was incredible. But one of the things they do is they give you pajamas so that you can sleep on the flight. And I was extremely uncomfortable. I never did put the pajamas on. I thought, there is no way in hell I'm going to put on pajamas and let other people see me in pajamas for my flight. So it's like I found that a very weird perk of flying in first class internationally is that they would actually encourage you to go to the restroom and change into pajamas and go to bed. And while you're in the bathroom changing, they make up the bed for you. Yeah, I I have been on an airplane where they gave me pajamas. I didn't put them on, but I kept those pajamas. Did you keep them or did you donate them after? Well, I kept them. And then after, you know, six months, I looked at them and said, hmm, they're, and I, I donated them because it's like, I'm never going to wear these. So I gave them away. Yes. And when I got pajamas at one time on the, the plane, I did not put them on either because I already travel in comfy clothes. I'm not wearing a suit or a dress or anything. So I'm ready to travel. Right. But wouldn't that make you feel uncomfortable to go? Jeff, Jeff on the other hand, he went in, he put on his pajamas, he crawled into bed. He, he Of course he did. Yeah. The happiness of clam. And I'm like, I can't believe you're wearing pajamas on an airplane. I would never do that. I mean- would you do that? Would you actually do that if everyone else around you was doing it? Am I the only person that finds it incredibly intimate would be a word I would use. Intimate that I would actually put on pajamas in front of a bunch of strangers. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do it. Again, I've already dressed comfortably for the flight. Right. And there's no way Rob would do it either unless they were like neon green because that's his favorite color to wear. <laughs> right. But you are right. There is a certain amount of intimacy that goes with mm-hmm. pajamas. So I do hear what you're saying on that. Right. That being said, side note, British Airways First Class International, that was probably the best flight I've ever taken. And we did it all on miles. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a good flight. They they do an impressive job in first class. But anyway, that that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll save that story for another day. But 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I would probably keep my own clothes on also. So talking about clothes, do you feel differently about shoes? Should people keep their shoes on while flying? No, I never keep my shoes on. I always take them off. What about you? Unless I'm wearing um, boots, like high boots with the zipper, I take off my shoes also. And I keep them off the chairs of the person in front of me too. Yeah. In case anybody's worried about it, I, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But I always make sure I have socks on my feet. My bare feet would never touch the surface of the airplane. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird things on the floor sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I put my my bag down. And I'm like, why is the floor wet? Yeah, exactly. It grosses me out to think about, especially if it's a nice bag. So anyhow, okay, good. We're okay with shoes off our feet as long as we have socks on and we're not putting them on the chair in front of us. Right. Okay. So how do you feel about the disposal of throw-up bags? <laughs> okay, that's a lead-in question if ever I heard one. Gosh, you know me so well. <laughs> I think they should be disposed of immediately. <laughs> that would be my thought too. And of course, I have a story tied to that. Jeff and I were flying to Hawaii. You're well aware of this story because I do have a reputation for after every flight. First thing I do when I see you is I tell you the story of my nightmare flight that I just, or nightmare experience on every flight that I've ever had. And that's almost true. You order a drink first and then you tell them. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yes, because yeah. you're shaken by that yeah. point. You're curious, <laughs> <Yes>. mad. <laughs> right, exactly. But we were flying to Hawaii. And on a lot of people know that when you fly to Hawaii, one of the first things they do before the plane even takes off, is, or they used to, I don't know if they still do this, but you get Mai Tais. You get complimentary Mai Tais. And the couple in front of us, who were probably three sheets to the wind when they got on the aircraft, can't judge them, pounded probably three or four Mai Tais in like a 15-minute span. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be pretty. This is not going to be pretty. So the woman, all of a sudden, and I don't think, oh, we hadn't taken off yet. We were still on the ground, I think. We were out on the runway. She started throwing up. She didn't have a vomit bag to throw up in, or maybe she just didn't look. She grabbed her Hudson bookseller plastic bag that she had her magazines in, and she threw up the bag. And I looked at Jeff and was like, oh, this is going to be such a long flight. That is so nasty. And this is the first time I'm realizing that it was a Hudson news bag. I thought it was a airline approved barf bag. No, no, no. This was a oh, one of those yeah. plastic. Oh, yeah. That makes it even worse. And I see her tie the bag in a knot and then she puts it on the console between her and her husband or boyfriend's seat. And it's sitting there and we start taxing out or not, you know, we're going to get ready to take off. And I'm looking at that barf bag. And so I scoot my <laughs> my carry-on that's under her seat. I'm like scooting it away because it's like, I don't want that bag to fall <laughs> on my carry-on because I'm just thinking this is just so ugly. And I'm praying that the flight attendant is going to come by one last time to pick up trash before we take off. But no, 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 no. <laughs> we take off. And sure enough, that barf bag starts bouncing and I'm desperately trying to get my 
bag out of the way and the barf bag <laughs> lands on my feet. <laughs> and I It was, didn't open, did it? No, no, it didn't open. I was so pissed though. So and I was it still warm? Yes. And I had already taken my shoes off. So I had socks on, thank God, because then I really would have been horrified. So then I look at Jeff and I am pissed and I'm going to yell at these people in front of him. And Jeff grabs my arm and he's holding me back. And he goes, I think I went to high school with him. You can't say anything. And I was like, what the, do you mean I can't say anything? (laughs) I just, their birth bag just landed on my foot. And he goes, no, I don't want to create a scene. I know them. I went to high school with them. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So then he rings the bell. But of course, we're below 10,000 feet. We're in our, so I have a vomit bag on my foot. You know, the flight attendant can't come by. He won't let me talk to the two people in front of us because he thinks he knows them from high school, you know, 30 years ago. It was, I, oh, I was beside myself. I'm still beside myself when I think about that. Yeah, that story never gets old. And when you finally got a flight attendant there and you handed that puke bag over, she probably thought you got sick. Yes, exactly. And I did say to the flight attendant loud enough for the woman in front of me who had actually passed out by this time, I said, no, it bounced onto my foot from the passenger sitting in front of us. But she was already asleep. She never heard. She she could have cared less. Oh my gosh. I wonder if she ever wondered. She probably didn't even remember throwing up. But mm, I I didn't defend him because Jeff knew them in high school. Uh, Well, I'm sorry to bring up that story, but it is kind of funny. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, I know. It's, It's a good one. Have you ever gotten sick on a flight? I have never gotten sick. I have drank too much wine before getting on a flight and gotten the spins where I'm sitting there and everything around me is spinning. And I won't do that again. That that was a miserable experience, but I've never gotten sick on the flight. I haven't either. And I, I purposely, I really limit how much I drink on flights because I'm afraid of that particular, I, I tend to get a little air sick anyway. I get motion sickness and it's like, okay, adding alcohol to that mix just is never good. I agree. So before we get on to the next thing, I'll just throw in another thing I have on the list a little further down. And it kind of goes the same way of tying something up that is unpleasant. How do you feel about people changing their kids' diapers from their seats? Well, I have no problem with it at all. And I think it's something that has to be done. And I have so many things that I think airlines should do to improve the comfort of travel. And one of them is putting a changing table in a restroom. And maybe some airlines do this or the bigger aircrafts that are for international flying do this. But there's nothing like having a baby with a dirty diaper and not having anywhere to change it. And see, it doesn't offend me at all because I'm a mother and I and a grandmother and I've changed enough diapers in my time. It's like you do what you have to do. I would agree. If they had a messy diaper I would probably go back to the bathroom, but I am guilty of changing a diaper with pee in it while sitting in my seat with my older son, Cameron. And it did have a little bit of an incident with it because I went to change his diaper. I pulled 
the diaper back. And you know what happens when air hits yep, I do. a male there? They, they pee. And yeah. so Cameron started to pee. And before I could pull the diaper back up, it went up and over the chair and no into the way. bouffant. Yeah, the bouffant oh. hairdo of the lady sitting in front of us. And I'm like, <gasps> and my sister's like, we're both speechless. And we just see it like the pee just glistening in her hair. Oh. And she never turned around. Thank God. That would have been so horrifying. Oh, that would have and, been really horrifying. Yeah. So I get it. And yeah. I have been guilty of that one myself. <laughs> but again, that being said, you do what you have to do. And if the airlines would put something, any space in their tiny little restroom that you could lay a baby down on and change its diaper in the privacy of a bathroom... It would make sense. And right. And that was like 27 years ago. I and the bathrooms have evolved since then on airplanes, but not that much. I don't know. I don't think so either. And and frankly, I don't pay that close attention to the bathrooms anymore just because I don't have an infant I have to change. But I always think, gosh, there's so much design that could be different in an aircraft if they wouldn't be so worried about making money. Exactly. How do you feel about overhead luggage or when people walk by with that bag that you know there's no way in hell it's going to fit up there, but they still keep trying to jam it in? I know. But again, then I, I blame the flight crew because it's like, okay, the flight crew should have stopped it before they even boarded. They should have said, that's not going to fit. You have to check it or it doesn't go with you. I mean, wouldn't that be their job? You know, it's clear if something isn't going to fit. And it's so annoying because all it does is waste time. So, and they have like three stops, you know, when they're checking in, when they're at the gate boarding, and when they say hello to the flight attendant when they're getting on the plane. Three different people should be able to corral that and say, you're going to have to check that. Yes. And I would agree that is on the airline, but it is a huge frustration. Yeah, it happens all the time. To watch. Yeah. You're you're just thinking, sitting there, are you kidding me now? You know that's not going to fit up there. And so it does go back to the the three stops there. Yes. Um, But Okay, so here is my issue. And (laughs) You have an issue? Just a little one. (laughs) But talking about overhead, the overhead baggage compartment, when they started charging to put, you know, to check a suitcase so you can carry one on. It pisses me off when someone will put their bag in the front of the plane, like row six or row seven, but they're back in row 33. That was the next one on my list. Yeah. You're just reading my mind. Yeah. This telepathic connection going on right now. Right. Because here's my problem. Because then if you're in row six, you can't put your bag right above you. So you have to put your bag behind you. So when you're getting off the plane, you have to go against traffic to get your bag down. And again, that is simple courtesy to take your bag and put it overhead where you're sitting and not nab a spot closer to the front of the plane so you can just grab it when you're getting off because it messes everyone else up. And that is a horrible frustration to not only myself, but my husband. It drives him nuts. Right. And he's actually gone to get on the plane and above like where his bag would go. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times... I'm digressing, but a lot of times we just carry carry on enough that'll go underneath the seat in front of us. We don't even mess with that. But 
his briefcase is big enough. It does have to go up above. And if he gets on and like he's the only one in that section and his overhead is full, he will take it out and put it on the ground (laughs) and just put his bag up there or call a flight attendant and say, hey, there's nobody else around us and it's Mm -hmm. full above me. So Right. Well, and that being said, if my bag's already in the overhead and someone comes along and moves my bag to make room for their bag, I have an issue with that. Oh, I hate that. It's like, you know, you don't have the right to move my bag to make room for your bag, especially since I know that I I put my bag in very efficiently. You know, I I use as little space as I can and I, because that's just how I do things. And so for someone to move my bag to make room for their bag is just so offensive. That pisses me off also. Don't touch my bag. Yeah. Don't touch it. You don't know how stressed out I was getting this bag here. But I remember one flight, I was leaving New York. My flight was so delayed, but I was just planning on carrying on because I, I just had my one little carry-on. And it, it was so delayed that I had to um, not gate check it, but you know when it's a smaller like hopper plane. Right. You check it when you're, yeah. You check it when you're there, they take it. And then when you get off the plane, it's waiting for you. And my flight was so delayed. So I get to New York. It takes forever for them to get the bags up there. And I flew into Philadelphia. I've never been to that airport before. And I ran to my gate. I sprinted. I was out of breath when I got there. I finally get there. The plane's still there. The doors are still open. I'm like, oh my gosh, I made my my flight. And the guy's like, uh, sorry, no, we're, we're we're not letting you on this flight. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I just started to ball because I was traveling by myself. I didn't know Philadelphia. And so he's like, you're just going to need to sit down while we close this flight that we're not going to let you on. And you can just sit there and wait and I'll handle you in a minute. (gasps) And so I am crying. Well, they were messing around so much that the pilot got upset and he came up to see what the delay is. And he saw me crying and they're like, why is she crying? Well, we've already closed the flight. The pilot says, obviously you haven't put her on. And so I didn't get my original seat, but they put me on. And again, I had to find a place for my bag. Then it lands in Seattle and I made that flight in time. I go to put my bag up there, fits perfectly. And someone tried to move it. I'm like, don't touch my bag. Like I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I am really going to lose it on you if you do. And yeah, they, they, they walked away. They slowly walked away. <laughs> It was not a good day in flying. No. Well, we I think we have more bad days than good days in flying, frankly. Yeah, but, and I can't even blame Rob because something always goes wrong when Rob's on the flight, but he wasn't even flying with me that day. So that was just my pure bad luck. So how do you feel about people not wearing earphones and watching a show or listening to music? It is the stupidest thing ever. It's like, who are you and what makes you think you're more important than everyone else on this plane? That you can listen to your device and disturb everyone else. It's common courtesy. And I agree with that. It is common courtesy. And a lot of times it's, from my experience, from what I've seen as parents with kids who let them play their video games or something without a listening device. (laughs) Right. You either mute the sound or you put headphones on them, one or the other. It's that easy. Yeah, it's just not that difficult. And speaking of earphones, if you go to get in your seat and the person next to you is already wearing earphones, do you take that as a sign they want to talk or you leave them alone and just smile at them and do your own thing? 
I am the person with the earphones in. I don't like to talk to strangers. That's me also. I always have mine in before anybody else yeah. sits around me. And I pray when I sit down that the person next to me isn't chatty. And I will be nice and I, I will engage in a conversation with them if they insist. But I really try not to talk to the person next to me ever. Because then you, then you could spend the entire flight engaged in a conversation that you really don't want to be in. Oh, I so agree. And it makes me... <laughs> People are going to be afraid to get on a plane with me because... <laughs> they might be. I'm yeah. a little grumpy. <laughs> well, you know, it takes a lot to, to get on that plane and know that you have to sit there. And that's even before mass and everything. So no, you're not grumpy. You're just an experienced traveler and you know what you like. True. So how do you feel about people who book the window seat when they have to get up five different times during a two-hour flight to go to the bathroom? I have no problem with that whatsoever. The reason is, is because it's an excuse for me to stand up and stretch my legs. And I always think if I get stuck at a window seat, I mean, it's my biggest fear. It's I'm going to be at a window seat and not be able to get up. And so I will let someone up a thousand times if they need to get up a thousand times. I don't care. Right. I I guess looking at that, we like aisles. The window, again, I rarely book in the window seat because I get claustrophobic and I don't like that feeling of not being able to get up if I have to. Right. But Rob has this whole thing when he flies where he puts out his computer and then his drinks and it's a big ordeal. And so when every 15 minutes, when he's having to pick up everything, he gets a little bit grumpy. And I do too, because then I have to hear about it. Right. But I never mind getting up. It's courteous to do that and let somebody out. And you don't want him to get a bladder infection or something. <laughs> right. Well, you just don't want the discomfort of needing to use the bathroom. I'm, In fact, if I'm at the window and the person next to me is sleeping, do you wake up a sleeping passenger if you have to get up? No, you give them a lap dance. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, that's a hard one. And that that stresses me out also. Yeah. I would say that when I'm booking a flight, if I can't get an aisle seat, it's enough for me to find a different flight because that's how badly I hate sitting by the window. And when Rob and I fly together, I have the story. We were in first class and he was in the aisle. I was in the window, which isn't too bad usually. But again, he has this whole setup in front of him and it's really hard to get around him. So about mid-flight, he gets up to go to the bathroom and I was sitting there debating it. Do I want to get up and go to the bathroom now because he's up or can I make it until we land? Uh -huh. I don't know. And I decided I'll wait. Well, Rob comes and sits down and he puts everything back out in front of him. And then it it started playing like a loop in my head. I started like making myself anxious about the fear, like the flight is going to get stuck on the tarmac and then I'm really going to have to go to the bathroom. So I look over him like 10 minutes after he sat down. I'm like, hey, Rob, I think I need to get up and go to the bathroom. And he was pissed. He's like, I was just up. Are you kidding me right now? I, I'm just, you know, he's, he was so upset about it. And so I'm like, fine. Like, I don't even know if I really have to go to the bathroom. I was just trying to think positive, you know, be proactive about this. So I just sat there and I was pissed. And finally he felt so bad. He's like, 
I'll let you up to go to the bathroom. I'm like, no, fine. Like if I got a bladder or urinary tract infection, it's your fault. Like I'm pissed. (laughs) You should have let me up. So he starts poking my bladder. Oh, like reaching over and poking me. So obnoxious. It was. And I'm like, stop it. Stop poking me. Stop touching me. Well, I said that right as um, the male flight attendant walked by. And it was like one of those things where he stepped back to where our bro was and he looked over and he's like, ma'am, is he bugging you? And I'm like, no, it's fine. He's like, you know, we have a no tolerance policy here about bullying and picking on other passengers. And Rob's like, well, this is my wife. And he's like, I don't care if it's your wife. If you're bugging her, I'm going to send you back to row 32 and you can sit there and finish your flight there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And then Rob got mad at me. I like, all I wanted to do was go to the bathroom. (laughs) Oh, that's my story there. <laughs> Sorry, it took a minute. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, how do you feel about people getting onto the airplane with um, stinky food? That's a tough one <laughs> because I hate, I hate stinky food. But I'm, I'm pretty picky. But they have a right to bring food on, especially now when they don't really serve meals on planes. That's true, but. Weird smells freak me out and having to sit around that, it really grosses me out. So if I bring food on, I always go to like Hudson News and get some popcorn or some pretzels or something just to hold me over. Right. Not something with like a bunch of onions and true fried. And so for me, yeah, that kind of grosses me out a little bit. Yeah, it grosses me out. But I really honestly think of it as bad luck. You know, (laughs) My, I always do this. This is how I fool my mind. Like when I'm dra- driving and a big semi truck cuts in front of me and then I'm behind this slow moving vehicle and I can't get over. I always think, okay, that's just pure bad luck on my part. I'm in the wrong place on the wrong time. I would think that about someone getting on with stinky food. It's like wrong place, wrong time, just pure bad luck. So I can't get upset with the person bringing on the stinky food. Okay. Well, you're a much nicer person. And that is a really, a really good way to look at it. I mean, I would never say anything about it, but I would be like gagging to myself right. the whole time. Okay. How do you feel? And we talked about this on the last episode, just briefly. People like when you arrive and everybody stands up and people from rows behind you push past you to get off the airplane before you. I think that's poor travel ed- etiquette. Oh, I think that's one of the worst things. It's like, what makes you more important than anyone else on the plane? What makes you think you can cut to the front of the line and get off the plane? There's no explanation to me. And, you know, and they inevitably, oh, I have a flight to catch. I have a tight connection. Normally flight attendants will announce that, hey, we have a really tight connection here. We have a couple passengers who have to get off. And that will still piss me off because it's like, okay, well, The rest of us will just stay seated so these special people can get off. But when it's someone who just thinks they have the right to cut ahead, I hate that. Yeah, super annoying. How do you feel about reclining seats? (laughs) I, I have been waiting this whole episode for you to talk about reclining seats. And I, you know, I have a good story about this one as well, (laughs) but I hope you share it. I'm going to, but I was thinking about this on my most recent flight, which we talked about in our last episode, because 
I was thinking with all of the COVID restrictions and how much they have to say to us about you have to wear a mask and you have to sanitize and pick up your garbage and we're going to clean the bathrooms and we're dealing with a pandemic. And I can't help thinking, really, how much difference does that six inches at most make that your seat reclines and it has to be upright? It, it, to me, it's the dumbest regulation there is. Like six inches back, <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres had this in a stand-up show. She said, you know, six inches back, you die. Upright, you live. No, it's just stupid. Who cares? It is the most irrelevant regulation they have that you have to be in an upright position to land. It's stupid. Yeah, that is stupid. I, I would agree with that also. But my story that I have goes back probably about 20 years. Jeff and I were headed to San Francisco for, it's probably 30 years because the kids were really little. This was a quick getaway weekend trip. We had an overnight flight out of Alaska. We were supposed to leave at midnight. There were complications on the plane. We didn't take off until three in the morning. We're exhausted. The guy in front of me who had very long hair was obnoxious. He got on the aircraft late. He was loud. I was annoyed. They still, at that time, they would bring you a sandwich, a tray of food before, even on the overnight flights, before you go to sleep for your six-hour flight. So they bring the trays of food. This guy, we weren't even off the ground and he had his seat back as far as it could go. You know, so he was practically in my lap. I could see his forehead. That's how far back he was. And I'm like, dang it. And then they bring my tray of food and he flips his long hair over his reclining seat into my food. That's nasty. That is absolutely gross. It was nasty. I was so pissed at this guy and I kept kicking his seat. I, I was like, you idiot, you don't throw your hair over your reclining seat, not remembering that there's a person sitting behind you who may have a tray of food in front of her that your six feet long hair is going to get in. Ugh, right. right. That is absolutely no situational awareness or courtesy or etiquette. Like yeah, that is just, disgusting. It's just all about me. It's all about, let me just make myself comfortable and not worry about anyone else around me. So other than kicking his chair or hitting it, did you say anything to him? No, no. That was back in the day when, and I was miserable because it was three in the morning. I was tired. We hadn't even taken off yet. And I think I tried to sleep. I didn't sleep, but it is what it is. Right. Too bad you couldn't carry scissors on. You could have given him a, given him a haircut. Well, and that's probably what I would have done today. I would have just whipped out my scissors and just clipped his hair. I'm like, mm, sorry, it was in my food. Gross. Yeah. Disgusting me. <laughs> yeah. So while we're on that, I, the next topic actually was somebody hitting the back of your seat. How do you uh, feel about that? And how do you handle that? Well, again, as a mother, you know, I remember being on a flight when one of my kids was pretty young and he was kicking the back of someone's seat. And I had told him a couple of times, please don't kick the back of his seat. And the guy turned around and yelled at my son for kicking his seat. And it's the mama bear syndrome where I was really pissed at that guy. It's like the kid's four, you know, I'm doing everything I can to keep him from kicking your seat. So I try to have patience if someone's kicking the back of my seat, or I do try to have patience. How do you feel about it? 
Well, when I made that comment, I wasn't talking necessarily just about kids because I do understand kids bump it. But sometimes you have adults back there that are just, you're thinking, what the hell are you doing? Why do you keep bumping my seat? Or when they sit down, they pull on it. And it is annoying, but I usually don't say anything. I I let it go just because I don't like confrontation. And sometimes you do accidentally bump a seat. I have this funny story that my dad shared with me though. Once him and my mom were on a flight and they're, they're pretty, um, I was going to say old school, but not really old school. That's not the right word. They are not very experienced flyers. They fly because they have to, not because they enjoy it, I guess is what I would say. And my dad loves shows like 24 or conspiracy shows. So one time he was sitting there and during flight, the person behind him accidentally somehow caught one of my dad's hairs and gave it a tug. And it felt like somebody was pulling a hair out of my dad's head. Hmm. Well, my dad couldn't handle it because he thought somebody was stealing his DNA or stealing (laughs) or had injected him with a needle or something. It was either someone was stealing his DNA, pulling a hair out or injecting something into him that would kill him. So my dad mid-flight turns around and takes a picture of the guy and tells my mom, if I die, this is a person who's responsible. (laughs) I'm thinking, funny story to share after the fact, but you're lucky you didn't get your butt kicked. People don't want their picture taken randomly like that. No kidding. But he was sure that's what was going to happen. Someone either just pricked him with a needle or pulled a hair out. Either way, it wasn't good for him. That is such a funny story. Yeah. I don't know what else. It just was funny. So that is, oh, one other thing I just thought of. I didn't write it down, but I meant to. How do you feel about changing seats with people? Well, if it's aisle to aisle, I'm probably okay with it. But I do have a funny story about that. Well, and I don't know if it's funny to anyone but me, but, you know, Jeff, who travels probably twice as much as I do, at one point, he became a million miler on one of the airlines. And it was a big deal at the gate. You know, everyone, they announced him, they said, Mr. Huners is a million miler today. And let's give him a round of applause, you know, and Jeff, he gets embarrassed. But, you know, it's still kind of cute when they, you know, and they give you a model aircraft. And so then it was kind of fun. And, and then like 10 seconds after that, they said, uh, can uh, Mr. Huners, please come to the ticket counter. And he's thinking, oh, they must've forgotten to give me something. You know, it's like, oh, they're, they're really making a big deal. <laughs> and they asked him to change seats <laughs> with someone else so that they could travel together. And then of course they put him in the back row. <laughs> Oh, so they were buttering him up with all that million miler stuff. And then they just like did the bait and switch. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if you're a million miler on that particular airline, because yeah, they're still going to ask you to switch seats with another passenger. And you usually end up with a worse seat when you switch. What about you? Are you willing to switch? I am if it's to help out. And it's funny. One time I was um, flying out of Vegas I was headed back to Anchorage. So it was Vegas, Seattle, Seattle, Anchorage. And I had asked not to be upgraded on that flight because I get upgraded quite a bit to first class, but I was traveling with my son, Colton. So I asked them not to upgrade me. Of course, I got upgraded. And while we were standing in the waiting area, I looked up and Anthony Bourdain was there. Wow. 
So I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. That's Anthony Bourdain. Well, as I was getting on the airplane, a family wanted to travel together, a husband and wife. And so they asked me to change my seat. I'm like, sure, <laughs> not a problem. So I ended up sitting right next to Anthony Bourdain, which I was like, wow, that's kind of a cool story to share. But he had his headphones in and I didn't want to disturb him. So we didn't chat or anything, but um, but you, get to sit next you, to him. sat next to him. Yes. And Colton kept coming up from coach and like looking around and, hey, mom, how are you? Just trying to get <laughs> Anthony to say, hey. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, that that was a changing of seats that worked out in my favor, even though I went from an aisle to a window. Because like you, aisle to aisle, I'm okay. If I'm sitting in coach, I prefer the front of the plane. If it's all the way in the back, I probably would not want to do that because I get claustrophobic. And if I'm sitting in first, of course, I'm not going to change my seat to go back. I sound like a snob saying that. I'm going to strike all of that. (laughs) No, Yeah, strike all of that about that. But yeah, I I probably wouldn't change a first class seat for a coach seat. No. I'm just saying. But if I can help, I will help. And I've even sat in a middle seat. I've given up my aisle seat for someone who needed that extra leg room. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I was trying to be nice because <laughs> maybe one day I'll be in that position and someone will be nice to me. I'm paying it forward. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Another random act of kindness right yeah. there. Yeah. So that's all I had on my list today about airplane etiquette. Are there any items that I didn't have on my list that you might want to add to the list? I don't really have anything else etiquette wise, but if there's one thing you could change to make the flight more comfortable, what would you change on an aircraft? Why don't you go first? And I'm going to think about that. I would take out the back two rows of seats. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the rows of seats are on a track. (laughs) And so you can, I'm sure they can adjust the leg room between seats. I would take out the last two rows and I would give everyone an extra two inches of leg room on a plane. Wow. I thought you were going to go with, um, and I'd have them put in a mobile bar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. We could go that route too. I think that's courteous. The the extra leg room. Yes. I would agree. That would be great. See, I think my theory on flying is that airlines make it so uncomfortable for their passengers that you come in with a group of grumpy people. And I think if you create a really comfortable, enjoyable experience, you lessen the grumpiness of the passengers and there are a lot less issues. There's no air rage. You don't have people yelling at other people because they're comfortable. And I really think airlines are missing the boat on that. Yeah, that makes sense. And most flights, people are quiet and grumpy. The only flights that are always cheerful, always, because there's some group celebrating are flights into Vegas. Every time I get on a flight to Vegas, we have that group that is absolutely cheering and making everybody else around them either uncomfortable or it's contagious and everybody is that vibrations raising. That's true. I was going to say Hawaii. I, I rarely am on a flight where, yeah, where people are grumpy flying into Hawaii. Right. Yeah, they do make those fun with, as you said, the Mai Tais, if you like them, then then they usually 
give us a warm cookie or something, which is always nice. Right. And they're usually playing Hawaiian music when you're boarding. And yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go to back to Hawaii. I am too. And I, okay, the one thing I would change, and I don't know how you change this to accommodate everyone on the flight, the heating system. I oh, hate being on a cold yes. flight. That is the absolute worst for me. It's miserable. I can't get comfortable. So some way to regulate it, like if each row, I don't know how you would do it, but if each row had kind of a temperature control, <laughs> that would be really, really nice. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. If it's too warm on an aircraft, that's when I really get that motion sickness where I get a headache and I'm just kind of nauseous and um, ugh, I just hate aircraft that's too warm. Right. And that is miserable too. I just would like the perfect temperature. Right. So another thing that I have many, many, many times thought of that I wish, and I don't know why it wouldn't work, but I'm sure there's a reason why it wouldn't work. But I always thought it would be fun to have someone like on a cruise ship where you have the, um, what are they called? The activity director or the entertainment director. You know, why not have someone on it that that leads us in stretching exercises from our seats. No one has to stand up, but you know, that person is at the front of the cabin you're in and they're, they're showing you how to stretch. Oh my gosh. I love that you just brought this up because it reminds me of this one time when Rob was on a flight. I was not on this flight and Richard Simmons, you know who he is? Yes. Yes, he was on the flight also. And mid-flight, he did get up and started leading stretches in the middle of the row or the middle of the plane. <laughs> I think that's brilliant, especially if you're on a long flight. I think it would be really nice to have, and you don't have to participate if you're not getting up from your seat. Only those who want to participate can do it. But you have one person who has a routine just to get you through you know, stretch. I think it's such a good idea. I also think it would be fun to, which is probably, it's probably invasive to other passengers, but yeah, have a sing-along flight. You know, where if you're going to Disneyland, where you're singing Disney songs all the way to Disneyland. I mean, why not do things like that to pass the time? And you're, you're going to be in a good mood. You're going to get off the plane. You're going to, that was the best flight. We had so much fun. So if we were on a flight to Greece, it would be Mama Mia the whole way. Ah, right. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I see. I have this vision of a flight attendant being on the plane. They're closing the doors and, you know, he said, we're closing the doors. Let's get this party started and then have one big party on the plane. And it doesn't even have to include alcohol, although that always makes it better. But, you know, make it fun. Give us activities that we can participate in. If you don't want to participate, don't participate. And I guess the only problem with that is if you're trying to sleep. But I don't know, there could be designated flights where you know you're not going to get sleep on this flight because they're going to be group activities. Right. No, that would be a lot of fun. And you would have some grumpy passengers who would complain, though. And one would probably be Rob. And <laughs> depending on the music... It could be Jeff too. If it was a Bieber flight, that right, would be different. Right. But I think you could have even family-friendly flights where going into this flight, you know it's going to be an active flight. And if you don't want to be on that flight, then don't book that flight. Book a different flight. Yeah. 
Well, maybe you could write in a comment card about that. Or maybe they're already thinking about that and it's already in the works and we don't even know. Probably not during the time of COVID. They probably have other things that they have to deal with now, but maybe in the future. Well, and I was thinking about that too on my recent flight. Okay, the reclining seat was something I'm thinking, okay, this is so trivial. Why do they make a big deal of this? And the other thing I was thinking of is, okay, isn't it time to give up the, you can't bring water on the plane? Because they let you bring eight ounces of hand sanitizer on the plane, but you can't bring a bottle of water on the plane or you can't bring it through security. So you can bring through the hand sanitizer, which potentially could be an explosive, but you can't bring an eight ounce bottle of water through security. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. In my mind, it makes no sense. And it's like, it's too trivial. It's like, okay, let's, let's rethink some of these regulations and decide which ones are really important. Good point there. But you know, I'm sorry, I, I had to pause there for a minute because we started talking about Mama Mia and now all I have are ABBA songs <laughs> running through my mind. And I'm thinking about our future episode on movies where oh. you and I have to agree that we can't choose ABBA or Grease because we know how much the other person already loves that. We're already in agreement about those two movies. Right. But then I, then I do feel like this is my opportunity to say that for whatever reason, that is one of my all-time feel-good movies. Okay, well, we can still share. We can still (laughs) say we're in agreement about these movies and this is why and then get into our other categories. So I think we're probably, again, this hour has gone by really quickly. I know, we clearly have a passion for talking about travel. (laughs) We do, and we haven't even gotten to any of the places we've gone before. I know. We're just talking airplanes so far and our experiences there, so... I'm thinking about future episodes for sure. Definitely. Okay. Well, with all that shared, I think it's time to wrap it up and go listen to some ABBA music. So cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting, the biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godson music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D i-g-y dot c-o they have packages available based on each show's individual needs 
Thanks again, Padaji. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.